Hello and welcome to another Ramon Foster show, starring, not coincidentally, Ramon Foster. What's up, Ramon? Not much. Do I have vacation days when it comes down to Ramon Foster show? Like, so, can somebody sub in? Is 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 that on? Are well, we doing speak, that? Speaking of subs, this this program <laughs> is brought to you by the Get Go Cafe and Market, where what they end up doing is they end up making really really good subs mm. anytime you order them on the the on the touch screen there all safe all clean open 24 hours a day can't beat it uh moan let's talk a little bit about otas which are going on this week because yeah. this this became something of a big issue with not just the Steelers, but all 32 teams, really, uh, and, and and trying to figure out a way to – look, we're playing 17 games. There's going to be more injuries. There's going to be more banged bodies. There's going to be more everything. How about less of this? You know? <laughs> Meaning, yeah. And in and, and your position as union rep, when you were with the Steelers, you had to fight some of these battles yourself here. What's it like to see the players fighting this new battle here? Because they do have to guard against the longer season. They do have to guard against it. And it goes a long way when it comes down to preserving yourself. I know the masses would like to think that the guys should be on the job the entire time. If you're not doing, if you're not training, you should be asleep. And if you're not asleep, you should at least be in the house. If you're in the house, you should probably be watching film. That's not how it works. The, your, your um, what do you want to call it? Your peace that you have with the game is being able to do stuff that makes it able for you to actually play the game. We always hear the saying, the best ability is, is availability. And when you get down to overworking guys, not that Pittsburgh's ever been a place to have people overwork or anything like that, but sometimes with coaches, you run into – some system, some organization from high school all the way up to the pros that if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And so that's where the, the, the conversation came in when guys were talking about uh, boycotting OTAs is because if for anything, I need my downtime. I don't need football 24-7, 365 days a year. And when it comes down to adding the 17th game, um, you want me to do 17 weeks and also not have any free time. But on the other side of that, you got to have it to where it's at least available to guys who actually need it, meaning young guys, years one through four, possibly. And for guys who just want it also, um, I'm sure Cam is a guy that wants to be in the building. Um, ben is a guy that wants to be in the building. That's what you run into. And if you scrap the whole thing, you got to kind of ask yourself, well, what's next? Um I'm, I'm counting on both sides of the, of the fence when it comes to it. I, I think if there's anything to be laid down, it should be or it could be if they decide to work to this deal. Years one through four, one through four wise, because that's right before your next contract. You're either about to get your fifth year option picked up as a first rounder or if you're second round and beyond, it's time for us to start having conversations about a new contract if you make it to that point. Um, and that should be available for the young guys when they come down to it, DK. That's how I've always kind of felt about it when we started having these conversations early 2020 when this before the CBA was signed was uh, it was guys that didn't want to spend time in the cities that they played. Why? If I got an opportunity to pick between, um, let's say, L.A. 
and Green Bay or even L.A. versus Pittsburgh, I'm going to probably want to train in L.A. if I'm afforded that. If I'm a guy that understands how to be a real pro, why do I have to come into town and, and, and show face to check a, a, a board to, to get a check mark? Well, let me let, let let me play a little devil's advocate here for you because mm-hmm. one of the things like that you it. hear, <laughs> this is really common uh, to hear from fans, and that is, all right, listen, team started out eleven and zero last year, finished up one and five. Come on, show, just show up. Do, do you want to get better or do you want to not get better? Come on, Moan. Seriously, you lost to Cleveland in the playoffs. You know, you lost at Cincinnati. Are you serious or not? about turning this team back into a winner? I think this is the thing. Guys don't walk into a system, into a season, and say, I want to lose. That whole cliche of you should be a better pro or you need to do this, you need to do that. I know some guys that were terrible practice players, and they still got reps in practice. But in the game, you didn't even recognize them because they were so doggone great. Um, it's, It's Winning and losing comes down to Sometimes it might not just be your day. Um, I think that last playoff game against the Browns wasn't their day. That, that There was a few plays that happened early on where it just it fell off the cliff of the earth. Um, that's sports. Um, you can be playing against the, the number one ranked team in college, and you'll have an unranked team, Appalachian State, knock them off their rocker. That's how the game goes. But when we're talking about the well-being of the, of the guys, that's what we got to separate ourselves from is – we're looking at how guys handle their free time. Do you take your job home with you at 8 o'clock at night? Some do, but on the majority of the time, you don't. Um, your performance this time of the year, I don't think necessarily runs into the season. I think, yes, you can go in and get a refresher, get your feet underneath you, um, show that you know, you're a step better than you were last year. But if I can have my time, DK, because when July, it was around July 25th to 28th when camp starts, mm-hmm. for the most part, unless yeah. you're playing in a Hall of Fame game, when that time starts, you're never off. I promise you. And I, I'll say this, too, for the fans that, you know, say, why don't you want to get better and, and, and that type of thing. Um, when I played, I was never off. That's just how it was. Like, even in the offseason when I was going to Disney or we would go to Hawaii or just doing stuff with the kids, it circled, it, it, everything revolved around what I had to do. So if I have an opportunity to not go into my city until late May or late June for minicamp or middle of June for minicamp, I would have loved to have had that luxury. But the fact that when the season ends, I'm taking about two to three weeks off. And before the Super Bowl, I'm starting back up. And even when I'm down and let's say I go on a trip, a guy's trip with somebody, I'm still trying to find a gym to train. I'm still trying to find somewhere I can do cardio because that's what the job has for you. That's what it that's what it demands of you also. So one of the and I realized this also when I finally had the conversation with the students and I was like, I'm retiring. DK, I had what felt like the world like lifted off of my shoulders when I said that they had understanding of what I was saying. And I had understanding of what I was saying. It wasn't until after I got off the call, I'm sitting outside DK and I just breathe. I was like, (laughs) this is what I've been carrying since the seventh grade since 1996. I mean, since 1997, 98, 
I have been carrying football on my shoulders, on my mind since 1998. So for people that say you need to be a pro and you need to go in and get better, those guys are never off. Yeah, they might. Somebody might get arrested. They might have a situation where you see them out in the club. But I guarantee you, if you see them out in the club and they've probably been drinking and having a good time, they're trying to find a steam room the next day. They're trying to get hydrated because they got to go do the job again. Um, I understand where the coaches come from in this also is I want to coach my guys. I need to see my guys. I need to see where they're at. There's two sides of it. And I say this to the point of what I brought up earlier. There needs to be some give and take when it comes down to if your years one, two, three, and four, you go in. When you learn how to be a true pro, you move out. And truth be told, this pandemic kind of exposed a lot. Yeah. There were no OTAs. There was no mini camp. No. There was abbreviated camps for guys. And I think when you look at guys that went through it, they kind of were like, I don't need all of that. Oh, no, this worked just fine. This worked just fine. I love that from everybody. You know, I love Cam. But seeing Cam in OTAs and organized team activities, Cam and I still went hard. So if you can take a little bit off and you have guys rested up for those November, those last six games of the season where you go one and five, I take that route. No question about that. I, I have a hard time disputing any of that, although I sure did have fun at your expense there with the devil's advocate thing. <laughs> when we come back, when we come back, who really is WR1 on this roster? Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market. Ramon, WR1 on this football team can take a lot of different forms yeah. because it's easy to escape the argument by saying, well, listen, Juju Smith-Schuster, a, he, he's a slot receiver. Oh, no, got, yeah, yeah. Is he really WR1? Is he is he your principal target? Well, no, of course not. Deontay Johnson is your principal target since he was the one who was targeted the most. But ducking all that, you know and I know, in the locker room and in the team's mentality, there is a WR1. Yeah. Ben himself has said that it's Juju, but things are subject to change. Who is it really? If you're asking me who I think WR1 is, I think it's Deontay. Oh, okay. I do. Uh, Deontay's targeted the most, yes. Was Juju out a few games last year? He, he missed a little bit of time, but mostly he was banged up. He was banged up. It seems to me that their playmaker goes through Deontay. That's not sliding Juju. That's not saying he's not as important. It might be 1A, 1B. However you look at it, I think Deontay goes first. I just saw a list of from Pro Football Network who had the top 25 wide receivers in the NFL. Deontay was on that list. Mm -hmm. Juju wasn't. Mm. I think league-wide, it goes towards Deontay. It goes towards a guy that they know that can be very special. They've seen some things from him. He has big play capability. The biggest knock on Juju is we hadn't seen that big play capability in, I don't think, like two years. That's correct. And that's because, I, I mean, it was hard last year. It was just different. He was in and out of games the year before. Deontay was still getting some 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 targets his way, and uh, that year was just kind of weird. But um, if, if we're looking at 
the way it shaped up, I hate to go this route, DK, but if he was wide receiver one, free agency would have said that also. Yeah, that see, he that's was, the thing here is the money talks. You know, he, the mo- the money talks. He was being shopped like a number two. The numbers Pittsburgh got him gave him to come back, and true enough, it's more money than I made in one year. Okay, mm-hmm. but. I covered the team here in Nashville, the Titans. Corey Davis got paid $13 million to go to the Jets. He was a number two here. I think they're paying him like a number one, but truth be told, that's number two money when we talk about wide receiver cashing in. Yeah. A number one is 19 and above right now, right? 18, 19 and above for a number one. It, it's in that range. It depends it's on the number range. one. Yeah. But a number – and I know we had a weird year as far as the cap goes, but – I thought he was going to cash in about 16 or more. And I, what did he get, eight or nine? He got eight. Yep. He, he got he got eight. Again, more than I made. If he heard this and he was like, well, Ramon, that's my defense is the market said you got paid like a number two. Um, Deontay has a whole lot of talent, and so does Juju also. Um, ben is going to feed Juju also because he's his blanket also. Juju's a guy that's going to get the ball. He's proven more with Ben than Deontay has. And and I won't say Ben owes that to him, but Ben's going to go to where butters his bread. The thing is, it depends on what uh, Matt Canada says is the number one guy on this uh, this offense with the way the offense is designed. Another guy that's throwing a, a, a wrench in this is Chase Claypool. Yeah. That's... He has capability, too. He does, and and he's interesting in that he's not just your uh, what was the old Mike Wallace term, the one trick pony, the one trick pony. No. Well, but he's not that. Chase has done a lot of things, including including running the ball off the line of scrimmage, which in mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you in the wide zone blocking scheme that Matt Canada wants to employ, finding that wide receiver who can do the end around, who can do the reverse, and properly read those holes and hit them. Mm-hmm. Chase Chase Claypool was able to hit those holes with a seeming effortlessness. And that's not yeah. a sh- that's not a shot. But whenever he was getting whenever the Steelers were getting down inside the 10 yard line or whatever, instead of just lining up and doing this, mm-hmm. they would say, where's Chase? And Chase would do the thing and then he'd kind of see something and then it looked like there was nothing there. But he right. would just kind of do the old uh the Eddie George fall forward thing, you know, yeah, another Tennessee reference, <laughs> but, but he'd get into the end zone and you're like, Oh, that was cool. How'd he do that? Exactly. And and that's where Juju's kind of running into it. And I think that's, that's where, that's the way the market kind of looked at him too. Well, you had two other guys in your team that the ball went through more. They have more playmaking excitement than he does. I love Juju and I think he's a really good talent. I just don't know if he's a number one on this team just yet, and it's all got to sift itself out. Well, let, let's get real about Juju first, and then Deontay. Where Juju is concerned, and and you and I have talked about this, and you just referenced a little bit ago that, that his explosiveness that he had mm-hmm. two three years ago was what made him a separator. It's what got yeah. him onto that Super Bowl one hundred commercial. Also, okay, because, Pro Bowl didn't he make Pro well, Bowl the, the whole the whole deal? Yeah, so I okay. salute him in all of that. 100%. Sure, and he looked like he was going to be a significant impact player for a long time, and then those explosive plays stopped, 
And whenever you'd give him those little slants or whatever, they didn't go very far. Now, he had, at least that we know of, is yeah. in the past tense, the knee issue. Yes. He kept having this thing drained every Friday. This is not something that a lot of people know about. And he didn't have that push. Mm-hmm. He didn't, and, and when you lose that one little, you know, something in football, you, you can't compensate for it. You can't manufacture it. No, you cannot. And if he was injured, that's one thing. Uh, the sad thing is for him is Deontay still played well last year, relatively, considering, you know, all things about the offense. The ball was going through him. He was the one that was making the big plays. And I'll never knock a guy for being injured. But, you know, like I know it's one game of somebody being somebody else being in there that's brand new and everybody falls in love with them uh, again. He'll be number one in, in Pittsburgh when it, when it you know when it shakes down when Ben gets his opportunity to feed him the ball because Ben is that type of guy he's going to make sure his guys in the contract year which Juju is in mm-hmm. gets paid and I love that about Ben. It's also him being a number one also depends on the way the national media and team or the other thirty one teams view him. The way the thirty one teams viewed him this offseason wasn't yeah. double digit millions of dollars and i think he'll get it in a uh, a reset market with the cap going up but there'll be a number in which you'll see a one and then you'll potentially what he may get and i hope he gets number one money because i i love you he's a great kid I, he's a hard worker all those type of things but on this team right now it looks like it's more towards deontay or chase well, let's talk about Deontay, too, because in addition to the, the positive stats that he had, he also led the NFL in drops with 15. Yes. And, you know, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. When you watch him drop in the football, this isn't like watching some, you know, iron-handed guy who's nah. used to having things clang off of them. <laughs> Deontay's got the softest, smoothest hands. Yeah, and then he had that one spell, and you remember it. He got benched up in Buffalo for the whole second half. And you're thinking, what is wrong? There's something going on here, mental or whatever. But how do you explain that? I mean, everybody has their hitches. Everybody has their hiccups. I'm sure you had them in yeah, your I position. Mine too. In your position where you just lost confidence for a spell. And maybe that's harder for us to see. Watching mm-hmm. football casually, we're not going to say, "Boy, the left guard sure looks like he's struggling today." Yeah. You know, it's not it's not as easy to pick out. It, it's but you're right about that. Deontay comes down to a technical sense for him. Um, he's a guy who's explosive, and you see that and notice that also. Do you not? Yeah. So with a guy like him, he's in a rush to get the ball to make a play. I think if he slowed down for just a millisecond. He gets the ball and he goes. If you look at him, it's not like he's missing the ball. It's look like he's looking to go already. He's doing this. He's doing that because he yeah. know he knows the athlete that he is, and that's what's so special about. It. That's why guys salivate over a guy like him who you get out of Toledo. Is that where he came from? It is. Yes. In the third or fourth round, uh, he was second. Second, second round. Why does mm-hmm. a guy from Toledo go second round? Yeah. Right. That tells you a lot about what they think his 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 athletic ability is and what well, his potential it, it, a lot is of that a lot of that was the late coach Drake a lot of that was that he he coach Drake ended up really really becoming smitten with him and and that's to coach Drake's everlasting credit it is um 
but but to those points, Deontay can take the top off. He can also go across the middle. He can also be a possession wide receiver where he gets it and go 10, 12 yards, 15 yards or longer. That's what you like about him. He's young. Um, he's agile and he's a tough-minded young guy. A lot of people always try to, you know, we we have our measuring stick. And when in my era of when we played right now, it's not that far ago, that long ago. My era, but A B is that measuring stick for any young receiver that's coming in, especially that that body type. A B, I mean, Deontay reminds you of some of those things that he possessed. That's the beauty of why you kind of look at him as like WR1 with Deontay and it sucks because Juju's in his his friggin' contract He's, here. Yeah, well, I I humbly propose here that we have a new rule here on the What's Ramon that? Foster show. I'm listening. That we are never permitted to talk about wide receivers without mentioning James Washington. We cannot Come pretend on. that he doesn't exist. I am I I I just I can't continue this discussion. I love James. I know oh you do, God. and so do I. And we have to talk about him because what is his next level, Moan? What is it going to take to get him on the football field, even if that's as WR four? He's a two, easy. Depending on he's a two. I look at him. He's a great Robin. As of right now, what do you mean? You every if we look at the way the NFL is built now, everybody has a one and a two. You can't have just one guy because one guy gets shut down really, really fast. Look at Tampa. Oh, you meant Robin as in Batman and Batman and Robin. <laughs> okay. He's gonna be and and Robin gets the perks. Robin gets to ride in the car. Robin probably has his own bat cave. He has all of those things. Okay. James Washington will be a great Robin, and he might prove me wrong and be a number two or a solid three. But or I mean a number one or a three. But as a, the way I view him, if given the opportunity, the thing is Pittsburgh has a bad problem. You want me to tell you what that problem is? Hmm. They're able to find young wide receivers that can play early, and they find them every single draft. So if you <laughs> don't get on the field early or you have a mishap here or there, you're gonna have a Chase Claypool to come up behind you and be like, What well, what about James Washington? And that's where we are every single time with James. The thing is, is you got to look at Chase. Also, he's pushing himself up to like, is he number one? I mean, the same thing that Deontay is doing to Juju, Chase is doing to Deontay. Meanwhile, you got James Washington right behind him who are like, what about me, guys? Mm -hmm. I kind of view James Washington as a, the reason I covered, the reason I'm saying because I covered his team here was, was Corey Davis. You right. knew the potential was there. And when you finally get that opportunity of, not having four solid wide receivers, then you see the potential of a guy like that. And some team's going to find them and get them in. No injuries, heck of an athlete, sure hands, can go up and get the ball vertical out of this world and explosive. Thing is, James might see his potential grow in a position in which Juju plays. That might be his biggest hiccup right now. He plays behind yes, Juju. that specific spot. Yeah, exactly. Well, at the same time, I think we can all uh, presume safely that he'll he'll get onto the football field and yes. that he has to make the most of his opportunities it's, when he does. It sucks for him because he's a guy that's going to have crazy amount of talent and teams going to get him for super cheap because of his stat line. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. When we come back to the Ramon Foster Show, a slice of life with Ramon. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. 
this is our slice of life with Ramon segment, and I've been looking forward to this one. This like topic this. specifically for a while. Ramon doesn't even know what it is. I do not. See, here's what everyone needs to know. Ramon has a day job. Ramon <laughs> does a radio thing in Nashville. And as oh. such, as any radio person, you need to be a little bit versatile. Mm-hmm. You need to be well-versed in a lot of subjects. They don't just say, hey, Mr. Football Player, let's just talk about football all the time. So here we are in Nashville, Tennessee, where the only topic really of the day is what, Ramon? Hockey. Hockey it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and Ramon ah. is tasked with becoming a commentator to an yes. extent on the Nashville Predators. I am, man. So let's let's hear Ramon's views on, on hockey. And first of all, Ramon, if you had <laughs> been a hockey player – since you have been, you've already. I know you've legitimately participated in a lot yeah. of different sports. What position would you have liked to play? Goalie, because I don't know how to skate. <laughs> See the goalie already, <laughs> already. I got to stop it. <laughs> All coaches say that the goalie has to be your best skater. Yeah, I know that, but the fact that <laughs> at my size, I can just sit in front of the net and use my knees and go side to side. I can work on getting my hips loose, okay? You'll see me. I'll be the only goal in history to go out to the net on my hands and knees, okay? I'll push <laughs> off from the wall. I'll push off from the wall, DK. All right? Push off from the wall and just slide into the net. And I know it's got posts, so the net won't uh, – so the goal won't move either, so I'll just – Shimmer myself into there. I can't remember the character's name from Mighty Ducks, but they ended up the, the, the one huge kid, and they end up like just taping him I to, know. to the net, like exposed. That's it. It's like there's like maybe you can shoot under the armpit or something, but you're not getting. This is maximum body coverage here. Yes, uh, on the net. Now, on a, on a semi-serious note, though, when you're when you're in Nashville, that city has not won a championship. No, um, and it's hard for Pittsburghers to relate to that. We get frustrated. No, we get furious when we don't win one for like a year or two. Okay, oh. in, in in any sport, uh, but especially football and hockey, the cap leagues where we have more of a chance. Uh, <laughs> people are like, uh, you know, what, what, where's our championship? Where's our championship? And in Nashville, it's it's different. And tell us a little bit about that, because if people have, I mean, they only have right now, you know, the Predators and the and the Titans. There is MLS coming in. That's still yeah. They got the National uh, Soccer Club, right? And there's also um, a minor league baseball team here too. It's a team that's starving, and a lot of and it's getting filled. Okay, with a lot of transplants. Okay, a the city, lot, yeah, the city is and buzzing. It's growing. It's growing. For anybody who doesn't know, Nashville is really growing. If you haven't been here, the cowboy boots and and honky tonk is here. But there's a lot of other stuff too. Uh, I put a poll question out there not too long ago. Have you ever met anybody who's come to Nashville and not have a good time? And hands <laughs> down, it won. Like. Every person you know that goes to Nashville has a good time. Absolutely, hands. You've been here, uh, and you've had a good time. Well, I've here. I've brought I've I've come for work, but I've also uh, for some of these trips, including just last year, I I, I bring my wife down because it's yeah. like one of the better stops on the tour, and we know we're going to have, like you said, we're going to have a good time there. So behind a good time is two sports. Heck, look what I mean. I'm wearing the Johnny Cash Museum <laughs> shirt. Yeah, from it's it's 
two teams that have I'm talking about rabbit fan base. They want to win. They enjoy it, but they're also scarred too, DK. Um, in a sense of they've gotten close with the Predators. They've gotten close a while back. No, recently with the AFC Championship with the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hadn't crossed that line. They have not crossed that line, and um, they're they're obsessed about trying to get to that point. So much so when I started this job at 104.5 The Zone, they hated me. Because I'm a Pittsburgher. Like, I live here, but all my adult life was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I played for the Steelers, who, mm-hmm. as you said, have won. Yeah. So here I am, a guy coming from this cocky organization. I didn't win one, but I played in one. Mm-hmm. Who's talking about their team that hasn't won one yet? And they take it to heart. They take everything to heart. They're gung-ho about it, man. That's the reason when you come here to Nashville, either to a Titans game or to a Preds game, I love Hinesville, and that is probably the best place to be playoff hockey and uh ppg one of the best also but when you come to nashville and see a prayers game at bridge no it's a different animal man (laughs) it's it's like it's like mixing pittsburgh and new orleans together like it's it's college is is what they do and revolves team here too well what i was gonna say is that when the predators were were formed when they joined the nhl back in 2000 one of the smart things that their management did at the time was they set aside one full section of that arena in the upper deck for nothing other than Vandy students because they wanted them to do those chants at the beginning. You know, when they announce the goalie and somebody yells out, sucks. Yeah. Well, it makes for a college atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And that never left the place. And when you're watching the Preds in their playoff games now and you're seeing the crowd standing through the whole thing, they stand through the whole thing. That's not happening anywhere else in the NHL, Moan. No. And and to your point, it's because in in a city like Pittsburgh, it has multiple championships. And recently, it's expected there. Yeah, you've been there, to, to use the old Chuck Knoll term. Act like you've been there, you know? <laughs> yeah, but but here, realizing how this fan base is, and the thing is, like, right now they're up against uh, Carolina Car- Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Carolina is picked by a lot of people to win this series. Carolina's yeah. also picked by a lot of people to win the Cup. Win it all, yeah. And, and so you have a team who's an underdog who's tied up this series. And not only that, they think they can win. And if you give them any eye, if you tell any fan here that they can't, they'll want to fight you. Simply because of that point that you said, they're starving for a ring. They're starving for a parade down Broadway and it's passionate. Sometimes it's uh, unreal with the expectations about what it's going to take. And I've been trying to like preach that on air sometimes about what it takes to have a championship football team. The the big story that's circling around right now is where will Julio Jones go? Yeah, right. And I this morning on, on our show, I had to break it down. Like, look, here in Pittsburgh, we didn't really sign guys like Julio because when you have a stable organization, you develop from within. You sign and try to keep as many guys as you can. But when you have GMs and coaches like Coach Tomlin and, and Kevin Colbert that know how to draft, know what you need, you don't look outside your room, and right now they're trying to look outside their room to, to sign a big-name guy like Julio Jones. And the thing is this. They got guys like Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, 
uh, Bud Dupree, now Janoris Jenkins, Danico Autry. They got a bunch of guys under their cap that they got to take care of. And when you're a good team, you don't have money to play around like that. That's the reason Pittsburgh doesn't sign big-time free agents unless they're past their pass. No, they uh, want to keep their guys. Uh, yeah, they want to pay yeah. TJ and Minka. Exactly. Or you pay a guy like Flozell when Dallas doesn't want him anymore. Mm-hmm. You pay a guy like you bring Plexico back or you bring Vic in. You bring in guys like that because you have your mm-hmm. nucleus. You have your, your means of doing work. You have your means of doing business, and you, you work around that. Pittsburgh's all the way up against the cap. Why? Because you have quality guys in-house. And that's one thing I was trying to, you know, relate to them. If you want to be this team that's on the national scale, on the national, uh, 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 what do you want to call it? On the na- be a national brand. Yeah, stage. Yeah. Get used to not getting the big name free agent. But when you're an organization like the Titans or the press who's starving for their championship, every hot name belongs to you. Oh uh, yeah. Because that person is going to be the person to get you over the threshold. I.e., Jadavian Clowney. Vic yeah. Beasley. Yeah, that didn't work out. You know, so yeah. and, and right now with the <laughs> with with the uh Preds and, and, and the Kane series, like you can't tell them they're not gonna win it, even though you DK a sport uh, a hockey aficionado, you you know that the Canes are supposed to win. I do know, and I and and uh, and I also know that Nashville has some talent on that roster and everything yes. else. All I know is that I just I I want to hear the Ramon hockey commentary at some point it's on 104.5 The Zone. Solid. I, I'm convinced that an offensive lineman in football could break down anything. Like I'm getting there. And watch a chess match between Karpov and Kasparov and say, all right, here comes the next move. Here it comes. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. It's like my first, I'm like a high schooler watching NFL film right now. I got a long way to go, but I'm getting there. I promise. Well, you know what? Once you figure out offside, Moan, it's all skating oh. downhill after that. I got offside. I know that one. All I right, didn't understand the go. penalties and stuff, but uh, okay. The, the what the, season? The, uh, the penalties. The uh, I guess you can you can grab somebody oh, and stop no them. in the playoffs. You don't yeah. need to know anything about penalties. <laughs> playoffs, it's all good. That's what you need to know about playoffs and penalties. That's it. It's like, oh, that that decapitated the guy? Nah, play uh, on, fellas. Play on. We will have another episode of the Ramon Foster Show next week. Moan, be well. You too, my man, my friend. Oh, my God.